twelve chapter four of round the block by john belbooten this librivox recording is in the public domain how overtop sealed a contract in a way unknown to chitty the notoriety which fayette overtop had derived from his questionable connection with the slapman divorce case had as has been already stated materially contributed to his professional income by the time the case was decided the firm of overtop and maltboy ranked among the most successful of the junior bar now that overtop had his hands full of business his thoughts reverted to matrimony more strongly than ever it is a singular fact that business men find more time to think of marriage than men of leisure thoughts of matrimony invariably brought miss pillbody into overtop's head he would project mental photographs of her at the top of a table beaming sweetly upon him opposite with her dim lovely eyes and pouring out the tea from a small silver pot overtop never could explain it but this imaginary picture realized all his desires of domestic happiness overtop not only thought of miss pillbody but what was more to the purpose he visited her for this pretexts were not wanting they never are at first he professed to have been requested by a friend in the country to find a suitable private school for two young daughters this justified several visits until miss pillbody could decide positively that it would be impossible for her to take them an announcement which greatly relieved overtop though it temporarily put an end to his calls then he hit upon the expedient of pretending to write an essay on popular education for a monthly magazine and desired to obtain hints from her upon the subject miss pillbody not displeased with the compliment though declaring that she had not an idea to give him gave him a great many good ideas to which he appeared to listen while he was contemplating her trim figure and the animated expression of her face and thinking how very well she would look at the head of that poetical table behind that phantom teapot at last the topic of popular education ran out and overtop felt that this kind of imposition could not be practised much longer one day while overtop sat at his desk with a mass of law papers before him thinking not of them but of his dilemma with respect of miss pillbody a small boy brought him a beautifully written little note from that lady asking him to call that evening on business overtop sent a reply written with extraordinary care this is a sign of love saying that he would be happy to call as requested at the same time he felt a pang of apprehension that she had found places in her school for the two young daughters of his supposititious country friend overtop dressed with unusual care that evening and presented himself at miss pillbody's house punctually at the appointed hour the young teacher was hard at work in the back parlor setting copy for the illiterate wife of a rich city contractor to try her brawny fist on next day miss pillbody's bewitching eyeglasses bestrided her nose and the narrow collar wristbands and dainty apron with the red-bound pockets looked whiter than ever 
The teacher blushed slightly as Overtop entered, and put away the copybook on a high shelf, thereby intimating that she should not work more that night, and Overtop could stay as long as he would. Thus, at least, that sagacious student of men, women, and things interpreted it. Without a particle of those preliminary commonplaces for which Overtop had a cherished aversion, Miss Pillbody broke into business at once. She said that a Mrs. Cudgeon, the wife of a citizen who had made a large fortune in butter and eggs, had been taking lessons in all the English branches, and French, here Miss Pillbody smiled, for six months, but had postponed payment on one pretext and another, and had finally withdrawn from the school, leaving unpaid tuition to the amount of one hundred and fifty dollars. Miss Pillbody had written several dunning letters to Mrs. Cudgeon, and received no answer. The soft grass of epistolary entreaty having failed, Miss P. now proposed to try what virtue there was in the hard stones of the law. She had sent to Mr. Overtop for advice. Overtop listened to the statement of the case with professional attentiveness. He was subthinking all the time what an extremely sensible woman Miss Pillbody was, not to allow herself to be cheated, but to go to law in defense of her rights. He assured his interesting client that she could count on his best services, and that she might consider the one hundred and fifty dollars as good as recovered. From this point the conversation glided off into a wilderness of general topics. Overtop had a habit, a bad one it must be confessed, of sounding people's mental depths. He found that Miss Pillbody was no shallow thinker. He left the house at eleven o'clock, supposing it was ten, and had a delightful vision that night of the little round table and the teapot, and the presiding angel. Next day Overtop wrote the following letter. New York. Blank. Mr. J. Cudgeon. Sir, enclosed is a bill of items amounting to one hundred and fifty dollars for your wife's tuition at Miss Pillbody's private school. Be good enough to look it over and inform me tomorrow what you will do about it. I will tell you candidly that it is for our interest as a young law firm to sue you for the debt, but my client will not consent to this until all other efforts fail, out of regard to the feelings of Mrs. C., your obedient servant, Overtop and Maltboy, number blank, blank building, J. Cudgeon, Esquire. Overtop remembered that one J. Cudgeon had run for the assembly at the previous fall election, and he surmised that, being a politician and a public character, J. Cudgeon would not like to see the bill of items in print. Overtop reasoned correctly, for at ten a.m. the following day, that gentleman called at the office and paid the one hundred and fifty dollars, and said that he was very much obliged to Overtop and Maltboy for their gentlemanly conduct in the affair. Mr. Cudgeon had not been aware of his wife's pupilage at Miss Pillbody's private school, though he had observed, he added confidentially, for some months past a slight improvement in her grammar. 
I am not ashamed to say that we were poor once, said Mr. Cudgeon, with a glow of pride. When Overtop placed the one hundred and fifty dollars in the white hand of the schoolmistress, she looked at him with gratitude and admiration, which more than repaid him. Not only this, but she asked him, with not a particle of hesitation, how much his fee was. Fee! exclaimed Overtop, a little nettled at the implied insult. Young lawyers are apt to be. Nothing, Miss Pillbody. Decidedly, nothing. But I prefer to pay you, Mr. Overtop. Why should you work for me for nothing, when I am not willing to do the same thing for Mrs. Cudgeon? The laborer is worthy of his hire, she added, laughing. I set that adage in a copy-book to-night. But I won't take anything, said Overtop, no longer nettled, but charmed to perceive this exhibition of sound good sense in a young lady. But I insist that you shall, continued Miss Pillbody pleasantly. Tell me now, how much is it? Overtop was standing within two feet of the schoolmistress, and her soft, dim eyes were beaming right into his. We leave psychologists to settle the phenomenon as they will, but the fact was that each saw love in the eyes of the other. Overtop, in his bachelor musings, had thought over a hundred odd methods of putting the question. At this critical moment in the history of two hearts, a new form of the proposition occurred to him, so original and eccentric that he determined to propound it at once. He took Miss Pillbody's hand in his before she knew it. She blushed and would have withdrawn it, but he retained the hand with a gentle pressure. "'My dear Miss Pillbody,' said Overtop, "'I will take five dollars from you on one condition, and no other. Will you grant it?' The schoolmistress, not knowing what she was saying, said, "'Yes. The condition is—' that I shall buy an engagement ring and put it on this dear hand. Miss Pillbody blushed and cast down her gentle eyes. The sagacious young lawyer, interpreting these signs as a full consent, stole his arm around her waist and sealed the contract in a way all unknown to Chitty. End of Book Twelve Chapter Four